0: Ladies and gentlemen, you
1: are now listening to the Talking Nonsense About Impact Wrestling Podcast.
0: Cross the line in 3,
1: 2, 1. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 57 of the Talking Nonsense About Impact Wrestling Podcast. Where's the time gone? My name is Jeff and alongside me as always, Sands... Max, is the Hikaleo to my Chris Bay. It's Craig, everyone. What's going on, Mr. Impact?
2: Hey, yes, it's me, it's me, it's the M-I-C, Craig, a.k.a. Mr. Impact, for the TNAIW channel, and we're live once again. And, of course, as if you don't know already, you can find us here, you can find us there, you can find us everywhere Facebook Twitter YouTube Sounder Spotify and wherever else you podcast yeah As you oh can- sorry go yeah yeah the same uh, excuse me, we have new countries added but of course we also have uh the numbers yeah the numbers.
1: we'll do the numbers uh as craig mentioned really quickly um obviously we're we're both trying to speed up the process as we, <laughs> we have a big show today with mike on being on the show michael being on the show but uh yeah countries there uh thank you to brazil finland uh wales and uh who we miss in uh, indonesia uh for listening to us welcome to the tnaw family we're worldwide uh, as Craig also said, uh, numbers is a, is a big thing, but before we get to them numbers, there was episode 56. If you guys watched us, uh, you notice now that in the um, the waiting room for this, we have a trivia question. Last week's was, who was the longest reigning? And this is for our audio listeners who don't get to see that. Uh, who is the longest reigning most prestigious champion, uh, the grand champion of all time, and it was Moose. Moose is the Moose was the answer. And when, uh, if you go back and you're on YouTube, go back and look at this last question. But the question is, who was the the NWA champion when TNA was stripped of that title and birthed their own? Who was the champion? We'll reveal that next week. Uh, yeah, let's get to numbers. We have Michael Cappicini on the on the show, which we talked about. And we don't want to waste any time with that because he spills the TNA, which is always great here. Um, by the numbers, Craig's as we've broken them up. Craig's audio listeners, uh, we're at oh, I was supposed to say eighty, but we'll take the four as well. <laughs> it might be at eighty-four now. Um, and it balanced out, so we're, we're keeping you guys, we, we have, we're thankful for that, we're growing on YouTube at 2.15, 53 on Twitch, we're back on Twitch live, uh, it'll be 8 to 9, um, we'll go hit up the chat group to make sure they come in, but uh, we want to see this chat uh, room filled up again, and uh, once we get the, the timing right, we will. And then 2.730, we're almost to t- 3,000, let's get there before Bound for Glory. Craig, we got some important numbers though to hit, right?
2: Yeah, some very important numbers. Uh, so let's kick it over to the power rankings.
3: Hi, everyone. This is Tatia with Rangers of Wrestling, and here's your TNA IW top 10 for this week. <sniffs> Number 10, Eddie Edwards. Number 9, DK's Rosemary. Number 8, Rich Swan. Number seven, exhibition champion Josh Alexander. Number six, number one contender Ace Austin. Number five, tag team champions The Good Brothers. Number four, New Japan Spin Juice. Number three, Moose. Number two, world champion Christian Cage. Number one, Bullet Club's Chris. That was your top 10 Impact wrestlers of the week. Do you agree? Let us know at TNAIW channel. Back to you guys.
1: All right. Do you guys agree for the power rankings? All I know is we can agree on one thing. If you take PWI seriously or not, at least, the very least, we have to say congratulations to Rich Swan, Impact's very own. First top 10 ranking in a very long time. So pretty awesome. Alright.
2: It's it's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) You don't seem so uh, as enthused as uh, I am about it. But I'll take whatever we could get. Alright. But without further ado, let's get this going. Let's get the man in here himself. Um, The author of the upcoming 20th anniversary of TNA Impact Books. The one, the only... Michael Cavaccini. Michael, you're on and you're good to go. What's going on, buddy?
4: Hey, guys. How are you? Great to be here.
1: Glad to have you back. Glad to have you back. Uh, So it's a little new setup since you were here last time, but uh, no game at the end, but we got a lot to talk about. Uh, But first, we'd be silly to ask, well, a couple things. One, where are you in the book? How far along are you? When should we expect it? Are we gaining steam here?
4: Sure, sure. So yeah, I was working on it this morning. I've been on a bit of a streak every morning working on uh, writing. And uh, actually, you know, I'm on my way to 200 pages. And um, but the first draft is going to be really long. And then I'll probably have to figure out, okay, how do I tighten it up? Um, And just to be clear, because I know there is a little confusion about this. So I've decided to make it one book, right? So, uh, rather than two, just to, that way everyone kind of gets everything in one volume. It might be a really longer book because of that, but we'll figure that out. Um, But no, it's come along well. You know, it's broken into four parts, and I just keep, as I transcribe interviews, I drop things into different uh, spots, and I have come up with some names for chapters, which are kind of fun. Okay. Um, So, that's cool. um, But right now, I'm transcribing my interview with Al Snow, so I'm on that
1: lately the lifeguard al snow the savior (laughs) oh man um that's awesome that's 200 pages so yeah obviously you said it was going down to one book but it's going to be a bigger book i know last time you were here we played a game i know i have to buy at least nine books (laughs) So, so uh how big of a book are we talking here we're talking uh literally from day one to the end right or to what we are now yeah
4: so, I mean, it's broken, it's loosely broken into four parts with each part representing five years. And, um, but when I say, like, it's not going to be perfect because right. what I mean by that is, it's like, you're probably going to have a chapter about, you know, just all about being, all about the referees. So you'd have, like, Earl Hebner, Dave, wow. or Brian um, Hebner. You'd also have Daniel Spencer and Brandon Toll. So you'd have kind of, uh, you know, uh, timelines overlapping. Mm-hmm in that instance, but I think it makes sense to kind of keep them together when they're talking about, you know, favorite matches they refereed or favorite moments or what goes into being a referee and, like, conditioning and all those things. So, you know, there are going to be certain, like, moments in the book that are, like, super, you know, specific, um, like Jeff Jarrett being sent home, right? That was 2009. But you're also going to have certain kind of, you know, um, themes, if you will, to certain chapters that I kind of dropped Throughout the book, so uh, you know, I hope it's not a thousand pages. <laughs> it could be, <laughs> who knows, right? It's going to be. I mean, Bret Hart's book is really big, yeah. but it was really, really good. So I think it, it's less about um, meeting a, a minimum page count or a maximum page count, and just saying, is this as good as it can be, and, and am I including every? Um, and I'm sure, you know, there'll be extra. So if it goes well and it's well-received, who knows? Maybe there could be some uh, sequel, if you yeah. will, um, down the line that's focused on a specific topic. But um, one thing I do want to point out related to this is in light of the whole Daphne situation, which is tragic, I, um, I think I'm going to probably work on her interview next because, um, you know, she's fresh in my mind. And actually, just this past week... I interviewed her attorney she'd wanted me to speak with him because he represented her and her workers comp claim uh that she filed against uh, tna and that's going to be its own chapter you know her side of the story her attorney's side of the story uh plus some additional information as well but it's it's just really important to get her story out there because she was so thankful that I was going to do that. And, you know, now that she's no longer here, I think it's even more important to make sure to follow through on that. So she, um, you know, so she's not forgotten and that it's clear why she did what she did. Um, you know, how special she was as a human being.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. I I said it last week on here that we, we, I see too many people using it as a, um, as a marketing tool, you know, her, 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 you know, her image and stuff. Um, but, but oh, yeah. not, but not describing maybe her love for her, which is great, but but not what you're saying, which is telling her story. How did we get here? How did we get to this point? And, and not you know over sensual, sensational, uh, sensational, sensational. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know the, the the situation, unfortunately. So really cool to hear that. I'm excited to see that she she was a really great person, and and to hear that she was very thankful for you to tell her story. I can't wait to read that chapter. Um, well, well, uh, from there to, <laughs> to, uh, we have a lot more to, uh, uh spill the TNA. There's some really good juicy stuff that will come after the last break that we're going to do. Um, but, uh, Craig, we kick it to you cause Michael and I are going to do hot topics this week.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's time for those hot, hot topics. And of course we kick off with this week's impact on access TV and YouTube insiders show opened with Rosemary defeating Tasha Steele's attacking titles. We moved then to Matthew Raywalt challenging Trey Miguel. Reiner was rebaptized in the holy waters of change by Eric Young and Violet by Design. Carl Anderson defeated Rich Swan in a bunkhouse brawl. Mickey James wanted to, wanted to remind everyone just who is Hardcore Country. David Finley defeated Chris Bay with the help of his partner, Juice Robinson, but Chris Bay also had some help in the form of Hikaleo. Uh, Steve Macklin defeated Pete Williams with the help of TJP and uh, the No Way Conger Line. We also had Moose defeating Eddie Edwards before a classic old school TNA type brawl ended the show with what's going to be an amazing 10-man tag team match next week. But what were your guys' thoughts and feelings, match of the night, segment of the night? How... And, of course, you can see see the polls on the screen of what you're looking forward to the most. And we also have, at the end, we'll see what you guys thought. Mm. But we'll start to Michael and get your thoughts and feelings on this week's impact. How do how do you feel the show went? Is it a good way to continue on the road to battle glory and a little, and as the kind of more more build up to victory road coming up this next weekend?
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, actually, I thought it was really good. So I normally I can't really catch it live. Typically, I usually. Um, you know, uh, it's just I can't feel like to my wife, hey, it's, you know, Thursday night, can we kind uh, of <laughs> watch this for two hours? So I typically watch it after the fact. Um, and I, everyone was talking about how awesome it was. I was like, oh, wow, okay, I'm looking forward to checking this out. And I thought it was really good. I don't think there was any um, downtime in the show. It was great variety, right? You have Swinger's Palace, you have the, the, the Waters of Change. I mean, I always loved the uh, VBD, they're just terrific. And, you know, just love what they're doing. Uh, but then some really, really great matches, too. I mean, you know, it's, and of course the ending, which I know a lot of people were talking about. Um, so, and that table that didn't refuse to break. Uh, so, I, 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 I you know, would not want to be carl Anderson. I'm sure that wasn't pleasant. But I do think that they're doing a great job of having you know these multiple storylines going on. I thought the interaction with Christian and everyone backstage is cool josh alexander and scott moore and just like christian's really he's so much better than kenny omega was uh, as the champion because he's just it feels like he belongs and it, it feels like he cares and he's actually investing the time and it's not with kenny omega it was just like kenny omega on a bus with don callis it felt like the same segment like week after week month after month where with, with christian i feel like it, it feels more fresh um and um i feel like it's just it's better for the fans. Yeah. So I really am happy that he's in his uh, this position. And I do really wonder, based on the way that they kind of hinted at Josh Alexander wrestling him, I'm like, is that where we're going for Bound for Glory? I mean, that would be incredible. But, that be... you know, I don't know. I mean, we're just really going to have to wait and see. Um, and actually, speaking of Bound for Glory, real quick, I was originally planning on going, but with COVID and all the crazy stuff in the world, uh, I am going to skip no. so I'm going to have to go next year or to Slammiversary next year but for everyone going obviously a blast um, you know I think the venue is uh, fine I mean the fact that they're getting out of the, the studio and going somewhere uh, is great and and the prices are reasonable for 300 bucks yeah. you can be front row for TV tapings and Bound for Glory like compare that to WWE that's a hell of a deal yeah. uh, I mean I know $300 isn't anything to sneeze at but for the money, that's really, really good. Plus, you get other perks along with it. So, you know, if I could go, I would absolutely drop the cash on that because I think uh, it's going to be a spectacular show. And, you know, we're on that road. And, you know, speaking of that, obviously, Victory Road is
2: next. So, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> checking that out. Too. That's uh, more depth on Balfour and Victory Road, but Impact Access TV, sweet Jeff. He, yeah,
1: no, I mean, everything uh, bullet point I have, he, he really hit, honestly. um and, and I think that's a testament to the product Impact put out last night. I was I made no bones about it for the past couple weeks or so. I felt like although there were good to very good moments or matches or stuff throughout the weeks, it just felt like they were catching, trying to figure out, not maybe try to figure out, but trying to end the previous set of storylines and, and just kind of branch off into something new. Uh, and I think we saw the first episode of The Real Road to Bound for Glory. Uh, that ending segment that everyone's talking about, it really was like a, hey, we're here kind of thing. You know, these are our main faces. These are our main heels. Christian fits in. And, and I love Kenny Omega in the sense of it got us the popularity it, it did for the time, for those pay-per-views, for the buzz, for those shows, and all that other stuff. But as far as what Michael is saying, he, he's not wrong. It was a lot of the same spiel the same i'm kenny omega and that's not a him you know that that also has to be fall on impact as well or maybe tony uh when they you know they banter or figure out what's, what what they're going to allow him to do or not do um but with christian he he moves <laughs> he talks to different uh people he he it's interesting to see him interact with more than just the guy he's facing in ace austin you know, he's he's giving the rub to these guys um, with, you know, yes, I always say it and I'm not going to back off that. Kenny Omega to me was the, at the time, the number one biggest name outside of WWE, at least known worldwide at the beginning of AEW and then when he came to us. And I still think he has that draw, but there's a difference between that and that someone who has a history with the company that can now lead and tell stories to the bet it just works more it has a lot of synergy to it, especially when you're pushing all your old content as well. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. So so I really dig that. Tasha Steals, I know a lot of people weren't fans about it, but here's the thing with with, with the her stealing the belts thing. It doesn't happen often. I love hearing nine tenths of the law, possession it is it a storyline I wanna see once every tapings? No. But does it work for this to give her something different to put her over as a, a different entity than they were with fire and flavor yes i think it works that way and they're giving her as well as a lot of other people i'll use it as a transition uh, letting these people shine fulton talks now (laughs) uh you know you have uh, rosemary and and havoc doing their thing on top of decay doing their uh, you know the the men of decay doing their it's just a lot of levels as mike said of of them covering and giving everyone a story to 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 be in without losing them or feeling pushed off. I love what they did with this episode. Um, the matches were fire. We could talk about that all day. Um, VBD is one of the, the, probably the best thing group they've built since DK. And I don't know if that's a, if that's really a big feat or not, um, you know, but I, I think VBD is something that's going to be talked about for, for years um, that we look back on and it has staying power. Um, Eric Young is a genius when he does this and whoever's producing those segments, I really love him. The, I had one note that I did. Oh, okay. The one thing I did want to mention before or while I'll mention it while we're pulling these up. So as I pulled up earlier, yeah. And, and Craig mentioned, uh, Ken Anderson, the, or Ken Anderson, Jesus, Carl Anderson versus Rich Swan. uh, 41% was the most look forward, most look forward to match that, uh, you guys voted on. And then, uh, as far as, Grade, it was a whopping 73% that thought it was uh, five flames. It obviously went down 4-3-2 um, with 19, 6, and 2, respectively. So it, it seems everywhere uh, everyone was in agreement that this was a great showcase for Impact, the talent on there, and, and the road to Bound for Glory, which obviously we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more I can really talk about. Oh, yes, that is it. A lot of people weren't stoked about the lineup, the card coming in there. Oh, it's a bunch of rematches. Oh, it's rematches. If you didn't watch this because it was rematches, you missed out. You need to go watch this because the rematches were better than the originals. And it told stories. So don't let the card fool you. These are talented wrestlers that even if they've wrestled each other 70 billion times, Moose and Eddie are still going to tear down the house. A bunkhouse brawl between you know Anderson and, and, and Swan are going to tear down the house. So I, I thought it did everything it was supposed to do. Um, I'm very happy with it. Craig? Yeah,
2: you're not going to be disappointed. What, it was a great show. But now we're cruising towards the victory road on the Road to Bound for Glory. But, of course, at Victory Road, we have Ace Austin versus Christian Case for the World Championship, Chris Sabian versus Josh Alexander for the X-Vision Championship. We also have the Bullet Club versus Finjuice, uh, Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans taking on Decay for the Knockouts Tag Team Championships, Moose and Morrissey taking on Callahan and Eddie. How... How do you feel about this show leading into Battle for Glory? Is this. Are the, is this. Are the Impact Plus specials, they stay at the same, same level. You, they never go below or above. same level. On the road, on the road to Battle for Glory, how do we see this playing
3: out?
2: Yeah. Does Ace Austin become world champion? And where do we. How do we see this? How do you feel about this on the, on the road to Battle for Glory,
1: Jeff? Sure. Uh... So, so, a lot of to unpack there, but <laughs> I did say I, I had something to mention on Impact on Access TV, and I'll mention that really quick, and it kind of falls into all this. The Bullet Club has kind of kind of wavered a little bit, passed the torch to a bunch of different people, kind of got lost in the shuffle, you know. Obviously, in the states, um, I really think Impact and Chris Bay are are the people that could give it the spark to make Bullet Club cool again. Um, I just wanted to get that out there. With that being said. The fact that uh, you know he is wrestling uh, at Victory Road under the Bullet Club banner with Hikileo and, and there, you know, and then you have Saban versus Alex. It's a bomb ass card. Um, it, you know, if you told me this was Bound for Glory without all the hype, you know, a year ago, I would have said, "Well, fuck yeah, I watch that." Uh, but it just being Victory Road, something in between. And you're right; they always stay on on, on the same level. They're never. Um, going to disappoint with these plus specials but I see a lot of people saying no oh, they shouldn't have these especially in between bounce look when we got rid of 12 pay-per-views a month everyone complained now we bring back 12 uh shows a month or a year excuse me and uh eight eight of them are free if, if you're an impact plus member so I enjoy them I enjoy them for what they're worth at the same time I think we would be silly to say that the last three, emergence, uh, this one coming up, Victory Road, and prior to that, uh what was it when we were tape Homecoming. I mm-hmm. think they're knocking it out of the park because they they do have continuity, but it's not like it's it's the blow off to a lot of things. Like I just feel like it, it it is playing a good role. I don't think it's overstepping its its boundaries. I think it's gonna be a great show. I'm all for it. Uh, Victory Road, the name has a soft spot in my heart anyways, I have a soft spot for that so um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes, I think it's going to be an awesome show and uh, I think it's going to be literally more so a setup for Bound for Glory than it is for anything else
2: Mike
4: yeah uh, I agree, I think it's going to be even though these are kind of transitional shows if you will, to the, the big pay-per-views they don't you know they don't have assets. i mean the card here is pretty awesome i i do think christian's retaining i don't think they would have him drop the title on something like this but you can uh, bet that they're going to have a great great match because both those guys are awesome i think josh alexander versus chris saving is going to be spectacular because again they're just terrific i love this whole eddie edwards sammy callahan thing sammy is like so good because he's great at being a bad guy but he's, like, so funny as, as this, like, anti-hero because, you know, just the things he says just make me laugh. And I'm just like, because, you know, wrestling humor can sometimes be, like, cringeworthy, but he is just perfect. I mean, I feel like he can do no wrong. So I, I'm loving this whole uh, collaboration, even the clinking of the bats. Yeah. They're just they're really fun to watch. So that's just going to be terrific. And I, I do agree that Tasha Steele's, she could have easily just kind of faded into the background um, after Fire and Flavor broke up. But I actually think this is kind of reviving her and making her more interesting. Yeah. Similar to how Trey Miguel uh, with the, you know, the, the Rascals, like, they were, eh, I mean, they were fine, but he's really stepped up and showed how he can like really kill it in the ring. So I think anytime you're part of some sort of tandem or faction, if you have the chance to break out on your own, It's really like, you know, uh, put up or shut up, and both of them have really done a terrific job. So I do Mm -hmm. think that it's going to be a fun show, and it's going to be a nice way to kind of ease into the fall uh, uh, going into Down for Glory.
1: Yeah, I I didn't uh, say who I thought. I I think Christian retains, too. I could see, I get Ace, and this is his last chance to be, uh, I think, before he turns to be the youngest. I think this is like the mark we figured out. Um, so could he win? Yeah, it's possible, but I don't think they dislike Tessa enough to purposely just th- throw away Christian's title reign, uh, just to race her off the, the record books there.
2: Well, Ace will be the youngest male world champion. Mm. That's what it said, be the mm. male. Mm. So uh, anyway, moving on, uh, now on the, uh, now we're officially on the roads on the road's bound for glory. Uh, of course, no match has been announced yet, but they have finally announced the venue. It's gonna, it is going to be Samstown Casino at a special time of 10 p.m. Eastern. That's 3 a.m. for the UK folks, and I'm guessing pretty late for everywhere else. How, how do you feel about the late start, especially with of course AEW running a show that same night? Is this? Is it? Does it make sense for them to run the show later? Is Samstown a good place? Does and could? Ba- is is Battle for Glory going to be as special as everyone thinks it is? Like.
4: Yeah. Uh, well, first off, I found it, and I, maybe I was mishearing it, but during Matt Striker's commentary, and I love Matt Stryker, on Impact, he kept like he's talking to D'Lo about you know, d what's it like having to, to wrestle later at night and blah, 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 and what's that do to you? And, and I'm thinking, what the hell is he talking about? In Vegas, they're going to be starting at 7 p.m. <laughs> yeah. That's the same time they'd be starting if it was on the East Coast. So it, it has zero effect on them because they're starting at their normal time. I think he should be saying, what kind of effect does this have on you as a fan trying to stay up late and watch? Like, that's really <laughs> – what, what is it like if you're in the U.K. and it's like 3 a.m. or whatever time it would be? Um, but, no, I, I do think that, uh, yeah, the reason why they're starting late – I know they said because of AEW, but I also think because it's live. Like, I mean, if it's 7 p.m. in Vegas, it's going to have to be 10 p.m. on the East Coast uh, and obviously even later in other um, time zones. So I, I really do think that's what matters Um yeah, there's probably some crossover between AEW and Impact for viewership, but Impact fans are really passionate. So I think if they, if they pick between uh, AEW TV show and, you know, Impact's biggest pay-per-view of the year, they're watching Impact. So I don't really think that's a, a huge uh, contributing factor. Um, as for the venue, I've never been there. I know that Impact has multiple times, and honestly, I mean, I'm again, not trying to be negative, They've had a tough time, you know, moving uh, TV taping to the current. If you just see how often they keep promoting them, I think the first like anniversary they like sold all that pretty quickly, but then they had to keep promoting the tickets around there for these TV tapings because they can't really give away too much about what's going to happen at these tapings, even though they're great. Um, so there's not really a hook. Yeah. Um, so knowing that they're kind of you know struggling, if you will, to fill the TV studio they were absolutely not going to go to a big venue like TNA used to do years ago and have a bunch of empty seats <laughs> you know Scott's smarter than that and it realizes let's pick a venue where it looks full so not only for the TV uh, viewers but also for the people in attendance right. so they feel like they're part of something um and also it's just a smart way to play it safe with covid because like I'm writing a damn book about the company and I'm not going so if I'm not going imagine who else isn't going so you you really do have to kind of uh, take baby steps maybe next year when things are hopefully better they'll move to a larger venue who knows but there's no point in jumping the shark so I think that the venue's perfectly fine they'll make it look great Uh, I think it's going to be a terrific show and what I'm most excited about is in those teaser trailers they keep showing AEW and AAA and all these other promotions and and they their relationship with NWA is excellent. So I'm just really fascinated to see, you know, what are they going to do at the biggest show of the year to kind of bring all of these promotions together um, and make it super special. So, yeah, I'm very excited. I think it's going to be an awesome, awesome show and uh, definitely willing to stay up late for it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, you know, once again, um, same wavelengths for me. I think what a lot of people aren't taking into, consider- into consideration when they when they book a venue for impact uh fantasy book and impact is is a, is a couple things. One, it's not their money. Uh so when you fantasy book something, you're going to say, "Oh yeah, MGM Grand." And in theory, with that big of a potential lineup, yeah, could they one day do MGM Grand? Sure. But let's be real here. Right now they can't, and the problem is a couple things. One, obviously, pandemic. Two, is although the product is hot, and I will say it's hot in the sense of numbers are up all across the board. I think we're about to. I think we're at five ninety seven now on Twitter. So so there's there's things that are growing. YouTube's growing. They're getting revenue streams other places. Um, The crowds that were in attendance in Nashville were hot. Everyone noticed they were loud and hot. Okay. But how many were there? Two to three hundred at the most. And that's being generous. And that's not necessarily on ticket sales. I think the in Slammiversary, they were sold out, as, as Mike said. And I think they were a little bit when Christian was announced. But he's right. They can't give everything away. So what do you offer to the, the local buyer who wants to come? So in Nashville, it's a little more difficult. You're giving kind of like the Impact Zone. You're giving Nashville people who may or may not be fans three three months worth of for four to six tapings each. So, one, that's a lot for just an impact fan. Two, it's a lot for a traveling impact fan. Uh, and three, once you tap out your money source in, in one little city, how, especially in this climate, what do you do next? The answer is leave. And, and <laughs> that's what they're doing. So, I'm glad they're leaving. I don't care how small of a venue is. It's way more than two to 300. I think if you look it up, it's 1400, depending on how you set it up. So, to us, even if we get eight to 900, That's still quadruple what we have at Skyway. So if you think Skyway's hot and loud and and looks cool or sounds good, this should as well. The actual... It's going to hang on impact production doing their job. That's all it comes down to. Everything I say, oh, looks small... If they de- if they put the set nice, if they have the entrances cool, if they do something different and special than just being the Impact on Access TV show and set, I don't think people are going to complain. I think it, once you see the product, it sells itself. So now it's them having to put spit shine on stuff, but it just doesn't make sense for them to gamble on a big venue and half fill it. I re- I was there for those venues. <laughs> I was in the paper, not in the pay per views, but I went to the pay per views and I was staying on hard cam with. 20 other people why you know a thousand were on the opposite side of us so i've we've seen the worst the worst i think this is right now the smartest play And, and and the same goes for the time change look there's no reason to compete with the hotter product in aew even if it's even if you want to argue the hotness of that compared to impact go for it that's all on the fans i'm not i'm not into that but the amount of fans they have is is the issue so you don't think at least hundred thousand of their fans are gonna choose would have chosen dynamite or whatever it is over Bound for Glory? I think so. Um, I'm not as worried as the UFC. I just I realized the UFC show that's also on that night is starts at six p.m. Eastern, uh, and who knows how long that lasts. So even if it lasts till eleven, at least it impacts alone from ten on. I understand how it messes with our UK friends, um, but I would have to say this if Scott's not taking a chance on a bigger venue because he knows the numbers, I think he knows the numbers enough to know what he's losing by putting it at 10 PM on East coast. So maybe the the British views aren't big enough to warrant, you know, maybe he thinks the loss would be bigger staying at the eight o'clock, unfortunately, uh, then, and then moving it. So either way, all that stuff aside, I'm excited about it. I think this is the last show as, as Carl Anderson has said, um, Yeah. And then Sunday, obviously, is football. Yeah. Logistically, it doesn't make sense. Um, And then obviously the tapings would be Monday and Tuesday instead of Sunday and Monday. So it'll be a little bit harder to fill those. But yeah, to wrap that up, uh, you know, it's just they're going to make the right decision for the impact brand to survive. Not for the one or two Impact fans who, or, or, or more that are going to cause a, a, a riot over it. But I, what I think is going to happen is, as Carl Anderson said, and that's what we get back to, is after Bound for Glory, this is the last of the intimate shows. And if we're saying, well, how are we, or being hypocritical, saying they can't fill a bigger venue, that's now. If Buddy Murphy, and I'm going to use all their old names, so I apologize, Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, the Iconics whoever else, show up at this pay-per-view. You're going to tell me that they can't sell out something a little bit bigger? No, I, I think they will, and that's the risk they're taking. Their risk that they're taking is investing in talent, and, I, and I'm fine with that. It's been a long time since they did. So, you know, they're, they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're at, a, they're at a place where they can finally afford to do so, and, I, and I'm excited. I would take a, a big name like Bray and Braun over uh, – uh, caesar's palace any day that does nothing for me uh what's going on in that ring and then furthermore afterwards matters more to me so
2: yeah completely understand that but in regards to the uk thing if we have a tv deal maybe the audience would be bigger. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um speaking of the uk i want to chime in here So I recently interviewed for my book uh, the team from Challenge TV. So these are the – for those who don't know, um, uh, TNA was at its height uh, in ratings when they were on Challenge TV. They were on Bravo prior to that, and then they went to Challenge, which was actually kind of like a game show network. Um, But they took a chance on Impact, and it paid off really well because they – uh, for a period of time, Impact was getting bigger ratings than WWE programming, um, and a, a challenge is also free to view. So it's like kind of you know in the states you have the broadcast networks that everyone gets access to same, same type of deal. But it was really interesting talking to these people because, you know, I was just talking to them about that popularity and why do you think they're you know TNA and Impact is so much bigger in the UK than the US, even though it's like a Nashville company. Um, and it was just really interesting to hear their stories and uh, the things that they would do back in the day. in British Boot Camp, we talked about that, uh, which is really fun. And I also interviewed the guy who negotiated all of the TV deals for Impact, both in the U.K., um, in India, and elsewhere. And I did ask him, you know, what happened with Impact's TV deal with the U.K. last year? that like lasted like a month or two it was so brief i was like well (laughs) pretty sure that was supposed to be longer and you know he told me what happened so uh Mm -hmm. obviously i'm holding on to that and i'll share that with you guys in the book but it it is interesting because um some of those international deals were if they weren't in place the company might not be around anymore Uh, because they were that lucrative Mm. so it's really interesting and i did ask for financials for these so i do know how much money they made off of you know these deals um including the challenge tv people they gave me numbers too Mm. um sometimes in pounds (laughs) Uh, but uh, no it was just it's to me the uk side is really interesting so um and i do think that if they're smart when it's they should do so should absolutely tour there oh. again i think the last time they were there was 2018 or 2019 they should get back there they should get a tv deal there like they really need to because that's such a perfect market yeah. for them because it worked before so that, they, that should be like a top priority whenever it's feasible so uh hopefully we'll get to that point
1: yeah and one more thing on that I, I saw something in the chat that i thanks guys for for being in the chat and, and riling that up um uh, i mean they sold twenty five hundred when they were still on pursuit for b f g two thousand nineteen yeah um I, I don't know that you know i won't i won't dispute the numbers you you might be one hundred percent correct i don't know how many were papered or anything like that, but i will say at that time we were on the we had some steam behind us um yes, we were on pursuit but we were we knew we were going somewhere else they were buying access TV so it was a bigger moment um are we about equal or a little bit further in the process to where they, we were there, I think. Yes, I, I think so. Um, but that doesn't include a pandemic. Uh, steam maybe getting let out of the tires, a little air out of the tires, uh, because, you know, it's been two years since then. So I think there's just a lot that plays in it. And playing safe right now until you get to 2022 is, is smart. So let's get to Brian Cage, Craig, and then we'll take a little break and uh, get to the juicy uh, TV deals <laughs> we're hinting at.
2: Yes, yeah, so in case you guys didn't know, uh, I think last night or I think it probably was last night. Uh, Melissa Santos, former Impact, Brian Cage uh, went to Twitter and posted a video, and she basically said, uh, Brian, Cage, "Brian Cage is a superstar. People who know him from Indies, Impact, Dutch Underground, yeah. and know a superstar, and he's a superstar, and he's being misused right yeah. now."
1: Oh,
0: uh, it's uh, me, right?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I'll make it quick because uh, I, I really want to, you know, save time for this last thing. Uh, this new hour formats like you to get used to it. But um, Brian Cage, I think, is a very talented guy. I think uh, the part that discouraged me while he was with Impact, one, obviously, he got injured when he had the championship. Then they went to Pursuit. So there are a lot of things that were against him uh, as an Impact fan, but I, I still dug him. Um, I think he could put a great match together. He'll get his shit in, but at least it'll be entertaining um, and believable in the sense of I, I believe what Brian Cage sells from entry to bell, uh, Or I guess pinfall. It's the talking that really uh, is his, uh, I think, what is hindering him right now. Uh, he's not the best talker. It, there's not much character development there besides big guy who could go. And is that on him? Maybe was it him in such a rush to go from a place where he could have developed that to a place where AEW, where they were just going to throw him with a, a Samoa Joe TNA 2010 ripoff. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, here's Taz. Here's your, you're a big guy. Here's Taz. He's your, uh, he's your champ. He's your manager. And okay. Yeah, no. Uh, so I think it was just very bland booking. He didn't get to develop prior and he had Taz speak for him. Uh, I think he it would be a lot of people are going to fall to the wayside with aw just upgrading their talents above doesn't mean anything less of brian cage it just means you're bringing in a cm punk and a daniel bryanson uh uh daniel bryanson a brian danielson uh and everyone else so i i think he just needs a new fresh coat of paint maybe a breather somewhere else i think it would behoove him if they play off this if he does get released or he and and god forbid he does i hope he keeps his job but Him and Melissa, with Melissa being his ring announcer uh, and manager, would be kind of dope. So I think there's always a case for him to to step back into the spotlight. He's only 37 years old. Um, But, uh, I mean, she's been complaining about this for a while. Even when he was, you know, in the limelight with Taz. Um, And I even told her, I was like, we miss you, come home. And she liked it. So I I think there's just more to the story. But uh, I, I think he can definitely help our product.
2: Mike, your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um,
4: yeah, Brian Cage is interesting. He's almost like a modern-day... um the hell's his name? Rob Terry, right? Aww. Like, he's this... <laughs> I don't mean... I'm not... Yeah, obviously, Brian Cage is probably more talented, but he, he's really known for his physique, right? He's just, like, a big guy who... who's um, really known for his physique. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I actually like Lex Luger. Uh, and people like that, and love the Ultimate Warriors. So I think, you know, you can make it work for you. Uh, but yeah, it's AEW, they have so many people that it's so easy to get lost in the shuffle there, which I do think when you hear about people saying, oh, you know, whatever talent should go to AEW, well, maybe not, because just like WWE, you can get forgotten. And that is why I think Impact can be a better choice for a lot of people, because, they just find a way to to give attention to a whole bunch of people each week. Uh, And, you know, so I don't think AEW is always the answer. So, I don't know. I don't know how long Brian's contract is. I'm not sure what he'll do next. I mean, if things don't pick up for him there, he probably will go somewhere else. Uh, Maybe he comes back to impact or um, not sure. You know, maybe he goes to Japan. I mean, anything could happen, but um, yeah, you know, Talent being misused, I feel like, has been a huge topic <laughs> for this past year, especially with WWE and elsewhere. And um, and something else I also do want to throw out there, which is a little bit off topic, but since we're talking about AEW, is that they're doing TV tapings um, uh, this weekend, I believe, uh, today, actually, um, right. uh, at, at Soundstage 19 and Universal Studios. So that is the soundstage that I believe Impact used in 2014. Uh, soundstage 21 was the original impact that's what they're using Uh, yeah so uh it's pretty cool that they're they're you know kind of coming home i reached out to a friend who works for aew and i was like how cool is that all these tna crew people are are coming back to universal studios uh, but this time at aew so i think it's really neat you know good for them to kind of have the chance to, to be there again and um I wish Brian well. I mean, I think he's had some great matches and I hope that things turn around for him and he gets, you know, an opportunity to shine.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he'll get it. It's just a matter of when and where, uh, maybe he sticks there and this works for him. Um, but, uh, People are blowing it up worse than it is. He hasn't said anything. It's, it's, it's his wife who is their own person. So um, so we have one that says TV deals, but it's, it's kind of mixed in. It's more questions for Michael. spilling the TNA. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, and we'll come right back and, and ask him some of that stuff. All right? We'll be right back.
0: What's up, everybody? I am the hardest part of the ring, the host of the Apron Bump podcast. Ugh. Another wrestling podcast. How many times can I listen to fans tell me who needs a push, who doesn't need a push, who brings Vince's coffee these days? Enough! The apron bump is about the journey it's about nostalgia it's about discovering new forms of wrestling to really tickle your pickle as a wrestling fan the podcast brings you reviews of wrestling events all over the world whether it's wwf wwe wcw ecw we even cover the golden eras of ring of honor progress tna and more promotions in the future as well new episodes every wednesday bump day huh yeah go to apronbump.com or go to your favorite podcast platform or youtube and subscribe today for the most diverse fan-friendly wrestling podcast in the world i'm hard
1: all right so go check them out at apron bump under apron underscore bump uh great stuff uh we'll be back on there uh the coming year i think coming up we're gonna do unbreakable 05 i keep saying and i I'll Wish it into an existence. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, but we have about 13 minutes left. We'll go a little bit over if we have to. But because there's a lot of good questions, we obviously have. We we've enjoyed uh, everything Michael brings to us every time he comes. We were doing it a, each month, or we're still trying to do it each month. But it's been a little bit. But there was some a couple uh, interviews you got that I think it would be silly if we didn't talk about them uh, in regards to TV. So one, um, have you heard anything about this new? distribution deal that Asper uh had mentioned on his Twitter. Um I know a lot of people are still waiting for it. Think it already was announced being something we've already had or it's so that's the not question number 1. And the number 2, 2015 is a big year <laughs> transitional year for Impact. Um I want to know a little more about that. I know you uh, just interviewed Andy Barton who was Dixie's uh, right-hand man for a while and then as he left uh the CSO became uh, Eric Sherman. So we'll talk a little about that. Um, Maybe start wherever you want with it, and we'll go from there.
4: Yeah, sure. So to address the question about uh, whatever deal Len Asker is talking about, uh, no, I don't know anything. I haven't asked anyone internally because I just assumed they wouldn't tell me. Uh, I'm sure they know the answer, um, especially the digital people who I've spoken with. But, um, you know, I don't want to put them in a position where they feel like they, you know, get in trouble. Um, so I just will let it just kind of, I'll find out when everyone else finds out. But I'd say this, don't get too hyped up because, you know, us fans like to sometimes uh, romanticize everything. So we don't want to get a little too excited and then be disappointed. So, you know, hopefully it's something good. But, you know, don't expect like a peacock type deal, <laughs> you know. Uh, It's just something that gets the name out there more, you know, the distribution to be better. So we'll see where it goes. Um, As for Andy, so Andy's an interesting story. So Andy, first off, worked with Dixie for almost 20 years. He worked with her Trifecta Entertainment, which was her PR agency prior to Impact. Um, So they worked together for a long time, working on music acts and things like that, doing PR marketing for them. And then, you know, this opportunity came about for dixie to buy into tna and she brought andy with her you know because they were originally working on tna as like an accountant mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it became that they were employed by tna right so i i remember having a phone call with dixie and uh, earlier this year and she was saying that um you know and i'm not trying to be negative but she was saying something like oh you, you know you one of the people who will really kind of give you the truth about the company's history is Andy Barton, and the only way you're going to be able to talk to him is through me. Something to that effect. Mm. And I was like, really? Well, uh, <laughs> someone someone who will remain nameless because uh, they're kind of a surprise that will have to be held until uh, right before the release of the book, uh, is tight with Andy and said, nah, I, I, can, I think I can make that happen. And they did. And they they said, you know, oh, Andy's willing to talk to you. And I said, oh, really? Wow, okay. And we set it up and we talked. And him and I spoke for like three hours. And, um, yeah, we went through everything. I mean, we went through everything from uh, working with Trifecta to, you know, the early days of TNA and the Asylum to uh, Hogan and Bischoff mm. to the Destination America email. Did it happen? You know, didn't it
1: happen? Can we talk about that? Are you...
4: Uh, sure so i could tell you this it did happen um both andy and his replacement eric sherman who i interviewed the next day um told me that the email happened so andy was there right before or he he left in like june the email happened in like may and he was on it he was on the email and i said really and i said well what was in the email and he's like basically what was reported And i was like okay and, um, yeah. So the, there's an interesting story there that I'm going to obviously share in the book about, you know, what went down. And then Eric told me, um, Eric Sherman that Dixie showed him the email. I was like, <laughs> What? did she show it to you? Like, that's so bizarre. <laughs> and so we talked about that and we talked about destination America and their relationship with them. And why did they cut it? You know, why did they cancel TNA? Like what, you know, what happened? Yeah. Um, so, So Andy was really interesting from, because he was there from the beginning all the way up until 2015 with Destination America, so there's a lot there. And then Eric was there pretty much during the worst years possible. He was there as their chief, um, you know, strategy officer, I believe, is his title. And he was there in, like, you know, June 2015, up until the time Mm -hmm. Anthem purchased them. And um, so talking to him, you know, about Billy Corgan and you know, Alex marketing and, um, you know, just all of these crazy times that the company faced was really interesting. And also getting his take on, um, you know, uh, uh just certain executives and things like that. And I do have to point out that when I interviewed these people and others, there are many times they go off the record because they want to give me financial information and things like that, that they do not want attributed to them. So I do know from these conversations and others you know exactly what spike paid tna how much they paid to be on fox um you know what was the deal like with pop um you know what did destination america pay them because that's really interesting because spike was their 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 main revenue uh right stream so then i'm sure a lot of people wonder well okay when they went to destination america like how much money did they lose in the process well you'll find out okay so um, you know it's really interesting stuff uh, to not only get the insights but to have like, the finances to yeah. go along with it to really help paint the picture of the you know what the company went through uh, no um, all the ups and downs
1: yeah
4: is really it's, both of these guys have never done an interview with anyone
1: before so this is really really special yeah that that's you know crazy I obviously did my due diligence and, and looked into them and kind of what their time frame was it, and you obviously explained it uh, beautifully there but uh, for reference point for for everyone listening so uh, obviously he said Andy Barton was with him was with Dixie from before prior to TNA all the way up until 2015 um, 2015 Eric Sherman came in as the CSO and Eric, Andy Barton left in 2015, that was going from Spike, right? From leaving Spike to going to Destination America or Destination America to pop?
4: Well, actually, it's so two things. One is uh, they ended with Spike at the end of 2014, right. uh, debuted on Destination America, I believe, the beginning of 2015. Mm. And then by the end of 2015, they were
1: canceled on Destination America.
4: So that deal Wait,
1: got cut short. And also ROH and was then, on there. Was right, that just? Yeah, a, was on was that a? Uh, I mean, you don't need to go into everything, but we could spill the tea a little bit. Was was that a, a big fu to Dixie essentially?
4: Uh, I talked to Eric about that. Yeah. Uh, he didn't seem to think it was that. Um, he, no, he oh. didn't seem to think that was the case. But uh, you know, and we, we talked about the people who he dealt with directly at um, the network. For example, I just recently transcribed my interview with Kevin K, the president of Spike who was terrific, and, um, you know, the, at uh, Destination America, it was this guy, Mark, who was the general manager, basically, who ran the network, um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, it, it, it's interesting just to kind of see how that all played out, because, yeah, within the span, of was like, like a year, almost. They went from Spike to Destination America to Pop. Like, it was just... Yeah. You know, hopping from network to network
1: he took Shits Creek right to right to pop. <laughs> went down. Yeah. Um, so I only got a few minutes left, but there there are some. I, I want to know if there's anything. We won't say. I won't ask specifically who said it. But is there is there something that just when you heard it between all of these interviews that we'll say that you've had since the last time we spoke? So we won't pinpoint <laughs> this individual. Is there is there something just that? made you just shake your head that was like what the hell are you like why did that like dixie i obviously the email and obviously she showed it around um but obviously we know that uh she was having someone watch uh the hogan uh video and then watching it herself a little bit we found out that last time is there anything funny that this time that uh you want to drop here on the
4: show i don't know about funny so since we last spoke i interviewed dixie's dad bob carter who was the Uh, the financial backer, right, for TNA for a period of time. He's basically the second Richard Scrooge, if you will. Um, And Bob was super nice. He was great. I did ask to interview his wife. She declined. But, um, hey, I was just shocked that I didn't have a chance to talk to him. He was just really a treat. Um, Yeah, I think the biggest shocker for me was talking to this particular individual who I can't quote because he does not want to be quoted in the book about the international tv deals and just how much money they were making off of india uh, of all places and how that you know uh, kept the lights on frankly mm. so that's really interesting to me because i think no one would even assume that they would think yeah you know, so- know india is not really what you think of when you think of tna or impact so um, it's really interesting to think about that and um yeah you know I can share in the book who who brought that deal together because okay. um, that's really interesting And
1: is that uh that's Sony 6 or is that uh, was that at the time or was that before that Yeah
4: so, yeah so it was it was a deal that was struck for multiple years and they renewed it but of course when they renewed it I'm sure it was for less money because at that point they weren't exactly on
1: as popular as they once were right. uh, as far as but yeah, oh, sorry to go oh, go above you there I'm trying to get some more questions before the time though uh, is, are those deals obviously less probably less uh, lucrative as before maybe going up who knows but are those foreign deals are they are you familiar with that now are they still are they still active is that still what's helping us here keep the doors open or, or what is any information on that
4: so I'm pretty sure that they still have the deal, um, but I can't say for, with 100% certainty. I can tell you that over time, they, with the, it's, like years ago, they would make millions, like tens of millions of dollars wow. a year in, in licensing fees. Um, and then as time went on, that was not the case. It um, so, well
1: dried up a little bit.
4: You know, it dried up a lot they went from being able to rely on it to not being able to rely on it at all and and, you know i did ask eric i said during these years when company was struggling like you know tina was so great with licensing prior to this with you know t-shirts and dvds and all this other merchandise like did you guys consider doing all that again like just really like kind of blowing it up and because that was a big revenue stream for the company yeah. and Don West was doing it so did you consider that so we talked about that um, we talked about John Gaboric, we talked about um, we actually well not just with uh, Eric but with others too I've spoken about, uh, with others about Ed Nordholm okay, and Lena Asper and uh,
1: their opinions on them I'll
4: say this a lot of people don't like Ed I'll tell you
1: that. Hmm. Oh. People that they've dealt with prior, no longer in business with.
4: Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah I've, I've heard some terrible things about him. Um, not necessarily specific things he did, mm-hmm. but just that, I mean, some people just really dislike him. Um, <laughs> you know, I can't, I've never interacted with him. I can't tell you anything. I usually treat people the way they treat me, but all I can say is that um, for whatever reason, there's, you know, a few people who just really don't care for him hmm. um and they're they're happy that it seems that scott is you know really the one kind of steering the ship at this point not ed wow
1: well he heard it here folks <laughs> ed's a piece of shit no <laughs> uh <laughs> the last interview you'll get no uh yeah man i always a pleasure having you on i'm I, i'm fortunately trying to wrap up here but I think there's so much we could talk about. Is there one thing maybe we didn't hit that you wanna uh you wanna mention?
4: Huh. Well, I would just say that, you know, in the coming months, uh I'm just going to keep writing. I am going to uh you know, just uh there are going to be more interviews here and there nothing I mean not nearly as many as I've already done because frankly I have more than enough for the book it's just anyone who can kind of fill gaps Uh, I also have you know lots of photography that's going to be included in the book which should be fantastic um and yeah there's more more to reveal I mean like I said in the months and years to come uh, because who knows how long this will take to finish um you know there's going to be more information to share and there's also been some exciting opportunities that have come about because of this book um, for future projects. Awesome. So those could be things that um, I share with you guys in the future, too. So, you know, just stay tuned. Um, and then if I can make it to an event next year, like Slammiversary or Bound for Glory, I would love to include in the book some sort of, like, diary, if you will, or journal. Yeah, cool. Kind of like a day-by-day, like, um, documentation, essentially, of my experience. Um, and, but that's like, um, you know, so hopefully there's some an anniversary of Bound for Glory next year. We'll have to see how things go, but I think that would be kind of a cool, um, uh, you know, way to kind of wrap up the book, if you will. Oh, so, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It kind of, it kind of cool put it. a full circle close on it. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, uh, <sighs> I won't say that we're, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it feels like we're in the, the winner's circle. We're moving that way. We're about to hit the... The finish line and uh, I, I think Impex is finally hitting its groove again but to see where we were and then where we got to and then where we are, it's it's just a, a, a long in, exciting tale that I can't wait to read uh, within your pages of your book. Oh, I couldn't get all that out. Alright. <laughs> um, yeah, very excited uh, about that. You can catch oh, you can see his Twitter there, obviously his account at M-A- M-C-A-V-A-C-I-N-I if I can't Hear me for audio listeners you'll see them all over our page we'll make sure we post it and tag them uh and then also michaelcavacini.com which is awesome it's articles about this and, and music and all the other great stuff he does uh so go check that out craig i'll kick it to you for our final goodbye and then we'll say adios
2: yep so of course here there and everywhere i just want to give huge, huge shout-out and love to Don West. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. awesome But apart from that, I guess we shall see you all next week for some more Nonsense Live.
1: Thanks, guys. Thank you, Michael. We'll see you next time, my friends. Thanks, everyone. Bye.